Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? In Aries' house. Figaro. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? The echo. Figaro. Yeah. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. That's what happens when you got tall ceilings, baby. Because you got a nice crib that will belong to your fucking wife if you ain't careful. I, I noticed that you, you had a really nice house. Yes. You have a nice car. Yes. Someone got all the furniture. Nah, she ain't get shit. She <laughs> took what was hers. I just, you know, have dude in me. So uh, I, I don't get around to shopping for shit I don't need. You have a place to eat, a place to lounge, and then you got your uh, cave. Yes. Okay. And a bed to fuck in upstairs. Yeah. And uh, these nice tall ceilings. Figaro. Hey, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him because um, we were we're off for a couple weeks. Yes. Uh, unintentionally, they they canceled some shows in California. Fucking Rona, man. Uh, and then. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll fly out. We'll do, some, we'll do the shows. He goes, yeah, cool. He goes, no one's at my house. You can stay here. But uh, bring some sheets and blankets and pillows, whatever you need to sleep on. I ain't got a goddamn <laughs> thing, nigga. <laughs> so, so on laundry day, the bed's just butt-ass. There's not a secondary set of sheets for you. For- Actually, I do, but uh, they're still in the packaging no. that I bought from uh, Macy's. Uh, but enough about me <laughs> and my magnificent... Nah, it's okay. It's it's, okay it's a great place, though, man. It, it really for, is for yourself, for, by yourself. Uh, so it, it, this is about a hundred times bigger than where I live. Well, you in New York, yeah, you're in the city, so you get a closet and a toilet, and the toilet is in the closet. Yeah, you know, I, the thing that I do hate about the, like the the brownstone living in, yes, is uh, the the bathroom is usually located in the kitchen. That mm-hmm. I don't like the bathroom. Oh, you don't have like because sometimes you might have veal parmesan smell and. Doodoo Parmesan smell, smell at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah, no. You just used. You just took a shit in my bathroom, and you gave me another one. Another one of your great shit quotes. What was it? <laughs> it was like the Godfather trilogy: two really solid upfront pieces, and one that was all over the place. I still like the other one. What was the one you said? Uh, Sucking the baby back yeah, in. I, yeah, don't, I, I don't have to go right now. I sucked the baby back. In. <clears throat> Big shout out uh, as always to Hits One on One. And also, uh, I'm, we're both keeping our fingers crossed because we might have uh, some new, hopefully, uh, sponsors in the way of DC Collective, which I just posted a video. Me and Andy went to the cannabis spot, and one of the guys there is a fan of mine. And so we went into the back of the green room. We walked past all the naked bitches with their titties out, making the drugs, a la American Gangster. <laughs> I was going to ask him about that when we walked Yeah, in. yeah, uh, with lab coats and shit. And we chopped it up. So long story short, uh, hopefully we get us some sponsorship so we can really be rolling in the money so I can buy a bigger house so I can have some more. Figaro! Regardless, though, DC Collective has uh, sponsored this show. Uh, maybe not... Uh, Future shows? Yeah, and maybe not even you know with dollars, but they sponsored this show. Right. They sponsored the after show. Well, yeah, they gave us two uh, <laughs> takeaway packages filled with... Uh, 
cannabis crumble, some peanut butter uh, edible cookies, yeah. some pre-roll joints, some shit you put under your tongue that'll help knock you the fuck out. Yeah, so we're good. So anyway, thanks, thanks to the guys over at DC Collective. And to the people watching, because we're doing this at my crib, I got the motherfucking Tito's gluten-free vodka. Someone if they say that in Boston. It was a vodka for the patty. Some 7-Up. I didn't think they had, uh, I didn't think there was anybody with gluten allergy in, in Boston. No, fuck that. They take all the diseases and put it in a cocktail. <laughs> let, me get a, let me get a drink with HIV in it. Let me, let me get a, uh, an STD cocktail. What's wrong here, bastard? All right. Um, let's get to it. Uh, on the ride in, as I picked you up from the airport, we were listening to XM Serious Comedy Radio. And Sam Kinison was on uh, yep. and watching episode number three of the Comedy Store podcast, just like they, they ended number two with a great tribute to the goat of comedy, Richard Pryor. Um, they kind of did the same thing with Sam Kinison. What are your thoughts on Mr. Kinison, man? Dude, I thought he was original. Mm-hmm. I thought his, his preacher style of uh, doing comedy, as he, like it was from the pulpit, was, uh, was original. And... Uh, you know, he was the rock and roll comedy guy. I like, I I, I liked it. I, I thought at the time it was it was genius. Uh, you know, I don't like a lot of people that are legendary in that moment. I, I think sometimes it feels it can feel a little dated when you go back and watch it. Um, I don't even think dated is the word I would use. I definitely agree. I, I felt like he was always the the Metallica. He was the heavy metal of comedy. Now that being said, let me before I really say what I'm gonna say. In that regard, again, respect. Hat tip, Mazel tov, all of that. Because it don't matter what your style is. It don't matter what your delivery, your cadence, whatever kind of comedian you are. Uh, it's all subjective. And different styles, different strokes for different folks. Um, what, what, I'm, you know, what you might find funny and hilarious, somebody else might not. Um, I know that when I watched the documentary and they talked about some of the things that he would talk about, he was definitely courageous because he would tackle things that I think most people thought were either taboo or just way too fucking dark. Um, And I'm always a fan of things I know I can't do or things I envy because I wish I could do. Um, I don't just want to be dark just to be dark, but I like the idea of being able to explore any and everything, i.e., religion uh i.e some of the things he talked about and I, I i you know that's that's a that's a crazy ledge to walk on um and again i wouldn't say he felt dated but wasn't my cup of tea but okay but you you uh quite a few times will bring up whether a comedy that would it is is traditionally considered like you would consider some white comics could only do Certain rooms, certain rooms, and they couldn't. Their do, audience, their audience, but they couldn't do a black room, like would would you consider an urban no. room? I think or they'd Ken- have a tough time. I think Kennison could have done. No, yeah, based on what? Just his style. <laughs> he did, that, <laughs> that, that was shit. That wasn't all that he did, though. He, okay, that's so what he was. So when he wasn't doing, which would you, you talk? You, about? T- you tell me, is that gimmicky? Is that a gimmick? If someone did it now, but he he did that, you know. Uh, the only two people that I knew that used to scream at you was him, was him and Bobcat. Well, Bobcat was a character. Yeah. That, that whole, please get me money. Um, <laughs> I used to be able to do him real well, dude, before See, my that's voice pretty, that's fucked up. Good. That part where, and you know, there's always the, <laughs> but, you know, the police guy, the police, um, that, I used to be able to do him real well. But no, but that's a character. I, I get that. Uh, you don't think that was a little bit of a character? I don't think. That, well, he was a preacher. I mean, his he came. His background was his family. His parents were his, at least his dad was a preacher. All all black people in terms of rhythm and cadence were preachers. You know, we're all preacheresque in our delivery. But I know what you're saying. He was a real preacher. Yeah. Um, and I get that. But the whole screaming thing, that never to me. But that, it, I didn't get that the that, way other people got that. That wasn't his whole act, though. If that was his whole act, yeah, I, I would get what you're saying. But that was just part. Of, that's that was a small part of it. So when you took away the screaming, there was funny. Yeah, because those were that. That was like on top of the punchline. It wasn't the punchline. Right. 
Right. It's just not your cup of tea. Mm. Uh, I, I just, you know, uh, like, like we were listening to a joke he was telling about rap. And he had started the joke uh, by saying rap was the number one form of music. Uh, and, and, and I don't know what the date was when he did that bit. Uh, but it was then and still has been uh, for a long time. And, and, and like everybody else that, had, that were a critic of rap, they all said it was a flash in the pan. It would come and go. And it didn't. It, it's, been, it's been one of the most dominant forms of music for over decades. Um, plus, it also felt like his disdain for it was what most white people's disdain for it was, which was, you know, they just didn't, it wasn't their world. They didn't come from, they didn't come from that universe. So they just didn't get it. But at that early stages of rap, there was a lot of black people who didn't get it, who didn't like it. Well, I don't know. Probably some of them Oxford niggas that, you know, uh, was disassociated from the hood. But I don't want to make this about rap. I'm just saying the point is that when he was making the joke, you know, and, and when you look at the style of comedian he was, which was a rock star, heavy metal ish type of comic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean played guitar on stage. Played guitar on stage, you know, uh, I would expect him to have that stance. But once I can separate whatever his personal issues with it, with it was, I'm always looking for the funny. At the end of the day, the screams, the gimmicks, the, 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 if you're carrot top with props, whatever, I'm always worried about the, the funny. The you, pit of the fruit. That joke didn't get funny to you? Not really. Eh, it was funny. Okay. You, you, well, that, well, that's the, the, the subjective part. Yeah. I, I thought there was funny in that joke, especially for understanding his, what might be his perspective or his character's perspective. Right. Okay. Um, what did you think about the tribute at the end? The... You know, now, now, it's, now there's a couple tributes. I don't need a bunch of tributes. I just want the story. But you don't think he was one of the guys deserving of such? I, I mean, look, I, for me, I could go, obviously, Richard Pryor, because everybody hails him as the GOAT. Um, um, but I also go, is the tribute more about the material and your body of work and how great you were as a comic, or they're celebrating your life because of a tragic death? Partially, I think, the tragic death, because uh, I think they're... I think when they do those tributes, it's right. it's not just the where you were in com- it's what you, what effect you had on on the comedy store and Sam Kennison that's that's the Kennison time, right? And so that makes sense if you go the Kennison time, but you know Dice isn't up there and hailed up there and at that there was a time when Dice was you know the comedy store. Well, there was a time when Dice was everything. Everything. But, I mean, he was the right. comedy store. There's definitely a time period that's the Dice period. Before, before I dive into Dice, because he's definitely uh, in my notes, uh, one of the things that, listen, I, I, I do, I have to say, and I think that, you know, are, are all comics or anybody of any, whatever kind of form of entertainment you do, you always want the respect of your peers. Uh, you want the people to love you, obviously, because they're the ones that inevitably end up ultimately end up paying your bills. Uh, and you want the love from the people, but, you know, uh, if you could have it both ways, you kind of want the respect and the love of your peers, too. And he seemed to be one of those guys that was you, you, you universally liked um, and unanimously liked. This is who, Dice? Uh, no, no, it was Kennison. Kennison, okay. By his peers. Yeah. Like, they loved him. Other comics loved him. Unless I read something wrong or you saw it different. No, I'm just, I mean, it, when you look back, they always say how much you're loved. But I, I don't think all comics loved. You don't think so? No. No. Did it's, you get the sense from watching that documentary who didn't? No, but I think at that time period, if you're anybody, when somebody new, a new style comes to, this, comes to your area and you're brash and you're... Oh, you know, he's, he was on 100% of the time. I mean, he was a partier. He was a drinker. He was, uh, right. he was you, you know, you, you said that about his yelling. I, I'm sure that there's people who already were planted at the store, and they're like, who in the fuck is this? And, and you know, as, as people surpass other people's careers, people, there, there has to be some animosity that goes on. Right. But when you look back at it, you put the animosity aside, and you just say, oh, yeah, I, I was there. Because it's, it's much easier when people are saying, oh, how much they love him, 
to put aside your personal shit and go, yeah, I was there when he came in and yeah, he killed the room and he's because you want to be part of the story now, uh, uh, the good part of the story. You don't want to be, yeah, you know what was wrong with Kennison? Because (laughs) you don't have people. Even though there are those stories. There are those stories. But even those stories are told with love now. Right. They're not told in like, well, he was an asshole. I mean, I heard from before he died, I, people would tell me stories and it was an asshole. Really? Yeah, he was kind of a, dude, he was a hard partier. If you weren't a hard partier, if you weren't that guy, you know, you, you didn't have any, what, what need did he have for you? Well, I love that great story Jim Carrey tells. Uh, yeah, that is. And I really, this is the part where it's like, yeah, this is why it's great to have video. Not like I could do it as the same kind of justice that Jim did it, but uh, Jim, like so many comics, admired him. Um, but he also, like you just said, knew what he was about. And he was saying, Jim was like, yeah, one night after the show, uh, I'm as much a fan of Kennison as he was of mine. And Kennison goes up to him and goes, hey. And, and Jim, and this is what makes Jim Carrey such a fucking genius. Again, when it, when it comes to impressions, it's so much of the little things. So Jim would push his mouth to his bottom teeth out, out front. And, and lift his chin and, up. And lift his chin up and kind of did his face where when you looked at it, you went, that's Kennison. So Kenny goes, hey, I'd like to hang out with you. Uh, why don't we party, hang out? And Jim is like, man, I'm, I, I got my, my soon-to-be wife. And the bottom line for Jim was he just knew what Sam was about, and he wasn't about that. So he politely tells Sam, yeah, I think I'm going to go home with my wife and call it a night. And he goes, Sam goes to him, oh, well, good luck with your compromise. <laughs> like, I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Good, like, That's such a... You have to be a comic or, or, or really just savvy with words and thoughts to just be able to say that to make Jim feel like I made a fucked up decision, knowing you made the right one. Or your ego is just that huge that you... you that too? Yeah. Good luck with your compromise. Yeah. Who would say that? <laughs> now, if he had went, good luck with your compromise, then I would have been like, oh. But just that silence of, you know, you're fucking up. You'd rather hang out with your wife than... Sniff coke off of strippers, pussies, and tits, and listen to rock and roll all day with me. Good luck with your compromise. Because that's what all of that was about. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, so it, it was just, I, I fucking love that. Um, and you just mentioned him. Talk about bigger than life. The Dice Man. Dice is, you know, when I was in high school, or oh. just graduated from high school, is when that. Uh, when he was doing the, nur- the, the album with the nursery rhymes and he's wearing his leather jacket on stage. And, uh, and I remember I was in junior high school and that, that was as popular as the Jerky Boys. It, it was, it was, huge. it was everything. You know, that's, you know, because as I remember it, my friends, you know, they got this, they got the, the VHS of it. That's how, you know, right. how old we are. So they get the VHS and they're, oh, you got to see this. Like, right. this was like something. Revolutionary. Yeah, like you got to sit there. And, and we didn't run around with. Little Miss Muffet sat on the duff, <laughs> eating a curds and whey. Oh! Yeah. But, it, you know, and we sat down and we watched that thing. We probably, we probably watched that thing three or four times in, the, in, that, uh, in two days. Just sat right. there. And it, it was great. It was great. It was, you know, certain people are bigger than life. But I love when he, like, I told you, I think I told you this, though, right. when I had a conversation with Dice and I said, and he's, you know, he's giving me like these. You know, dicisms and letting me understand a few I like things. Dicisms. And I said, uh, I said, and he talks about the fans and connect. Oh, that's what he was saying. He said, he said the, the key to being a great comic is connection. You got to connect with the audience. You got to connect. And I said, yeah, I get that. But in a comedy room, it's, you can do that. But when you're, I go, but you were doing the, theaters. You were doing uh, stadiums. I go, how do you connect with someone that's in row W five five Z? You know, in there a hundred miles away. And he goes. He goes, I don't know. Why don't you ask Elvis how he connected with them? <laughs> ask Led Zeppelin how they connected with us. That's great. And I was like, okay, now I get it. You're not, a com- you're not just a comic. You're, you're, you're a rock star. You're a rock star. You're an entertainer. You're a performer. You went, that, and, and, and that kind of summed it up for me, is that you know, we all want to be comics, but if you want to hit that next level, that, that ultimate level, you got to go outside. Of, you got to be an entertainer. You got to be, you got to be bigger. Listen, I don't want to blow the wad on this one because we're going to address it in episode four of the Comedy Store discussion via uh, next week's episode. But I got to say this because you mentioned that. 
I remember I did, uh, and, and, and once a year they would have these big concerts in San Jose. Um, and, and it was an outdoor, not a stadium, not an arena, not quite as big as arena, not as small as a theater. It was somewhere in the middle. But it was a shitload of people outside, like at least two or 3,000. Um, and I remember one year I did it, and Carlos Mencia was on the show. And I did well, uh, but he felt the need to give me some advice. And he said, hey, man, you got to realize the difference between how to connect and what works with a comedy club audience versus a theater audience, an arena audience. And, you know, at the time, I just was like, oh, okay. But now, looking back, I'm going, well, I understand how you connect, Carlos. You just use the other person's material from a theater apply it to your shit <laughs> but we'll get into that later i love carlos by the way but we'll get into that later back to dice um and listen man let me say i, I was a dice this is how much i was a dice fan my first deaf comedy jam when i was 16 years old i did dice i did my dice impression um you had your fingers out right on your gloves no 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 i had no no, no it was whole black leather gloves okay. like eddie murphy and raw okay. um so i did my dice impression and <clears throat> here's what I want to ask you. And, and again, people, you got to understand something. I, I'm not just a comedian. I'm a fan of comedy. I'm a fan of the art. So we're allowed to have what's called opinions. Because, again, I get labeled or want to get labeled for being bitter and angry because I have an opinion. You know, if I was just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, last time I checked, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a robot. You know, I, I'm, I'm allowed to have feelings and thoughts and opinions on shit. And just because my opinions don't always flow in the same stream as the river, uh, and I flow against the current or tide, I'm allowed to do that from time to time. You, your opinions are salmon? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, and I get eaten by a lot of bears, nigga. <laughs> um, I remember I was listening to Opie and Anthony one time. <laughs> that had so many meanings to it, man. Did so, it really? Yeah. Did I miss it? Yeah, you did. What, what you trying to say? I, I, I'm, I'm like fish, nigga. No, no, go on. Give me one of the meanings. What's one of the meanings? Bears are like uh, big burly guys, and then you were talking about swimming upstream and bears eating you. Uh, I was. Oh, I'm the big. I'm the bear. No, no, no. Like the, the, the Hollywood. Hollywood's. Hollywood's the bear. Yeah, there's a lot of big. Oh. Well, bears are big and brown, so that's why I thought you. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> um. The fuck was I talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, um, Let's rewind the tape. Yeah. <laughs> fuck dice. Um, oh yeah, opinions. So I'm I'm allowed to have yeah. these. Um, and I remember I was watching Opie and Anthony, listening to Opie and Anthony, and Anthony does a great dice. I thought I did dice. Anthony's dice is fucking scary. Um, they were talking about dice, and one of the things they pointed out was back then. Because no one had seen that. No, no one had seen a guy who had an Elvis-like persona purposely designed that way on stage. He was part John Travolta. He was part uh, Elvis. He was just that cool. And, you know, he even says, Dice, he's, a, he's Jewish. But everybody felt like he was Italian. He had that, that Guinea shit down, you know? Well, he talks about growing up in Brooklyn like, like it's such a stretch to have that kind of Italian influence in you when you grow up in an Italian area. Right. Yeah, so um, that was still who he was. It wasn't necessarily who he was, but it was definitely influenced him as right. a person. But even Dice admitted, Dice was a character. Yeah. He created a character. So again, my thing is this, and I've seen Dice perform, and Dice is a funny guy. Look, again, anybody that gets a laugh, it don't matter. We're in the business of funny. So if you get a laugh, I don't give a fuck if you're Carrot Top, I don't give a fuck if you're Dave Chappelle. You are in the club. So he's a funny dude, but you, you always wondered how long can... Oh! My dick, oh! It's, it's a, it's a, I don't want to use the word shtick because that sounds cheap. It, it feels like you're cheapening who he was. You're cheapening his art form. But can that last for 40 years? When you guys like Pryor and Murphy and Chappelle and so many others where your persona is based on who you are as a person, your opinions, your true feelings versus a character. 
characters seem one-dimensional. Bugs Bunny is one-dimensional. You know, you can only go so far with that before somebody, people finally go, yeah, we get it. Oh, next. It didn't happen that way, though. No, no, no. It, it, yeah. it didn't happen that yeah. way. But he, 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 was, he was, there's a quote. I think you quoted it one time where, like, some people's careers aren't meant to last or burn a long time. They're like comets. Yeah, yeah. They, they burn hot and fast. Hot and fast. And with him, it felt hot and fast because, again, you hadn't seen anything like that before. He was a powerhouse of a presence. He had a rock and roll persona on stage. He blew the doors open, but as quickly as and as powerfully as that came, it was over. But he had he had the issue because of material that he presented that was that, that was perceived to be homophobic, and that's really where the, and sexist. Yeah, well, this, you know, you could at the time it wasn't the sexist part that took him down. I think it was the homophobia that took him the, the, the perceived homophobia. <laughs> I think it was everything, but I think the the, the homophobia pushed. Push was the was the final push because when Ford Fairlane was going to come out, and I think he talks about it in this or something else I've seen, everything was you know, they you know they canceled his red carpet event. Right, he was supposed to be like he Ford Fairlane was going to be the that the next thing that took him to the next level. Right, right. And if you saw and you grew up at that time, I didn't see that movie. Though. You didn't. No. I loved the. Did fucking you really? Movie. It was I, a good movie. I thought it was dice. Right. It was funny. It had uh, more. It was more to it. They made him the character that they made him in that fit, uh, and I don't think he overdiced it either. I don't think he was over. Oh, you know, I don't think he did. Did you feel at any sense that he was a real actor too? Yeah, I felt like there was a- acting going on in there. I just, I think if that moment didn't go down that way, mm-hmm. I think that he, he it's, it's a, you, he last. He he would have made it. He would have made it through the eighties. When you say if that moment doesn't go down that way, you mean had the movie not tanked? No, the movie tanked because there was no push behind it because he had bad press because some people didn't find the movie to be. I mean, if you were a, even Dice fans weren't going to the movie because of right. what happened. Right. So it was a. Gr- I thought it was great. He goes on SNL. You know, there's an S- the SNL problems that's talked about in this uh, in the documentary. Yes. Uh, yes. So there's those issues. And, you know, it just kind of, he, he, he's, I don't want to say he was blackballed or banned, but he, he was, he, he, but yes, he was, yes. he was blackballed and banned. Yes. But it wasn't like there was a meeting. So I, I think that's, well, there, there's, there's never a meeting, meeting, but there's a meeting. Yeah. But it's just, it, it's just, uh, it's an unspoken rule that happens. We're right. not going to, we're not going to do this. And, and true to him though, when he came back and. Uh, this isn't talked about. I don't know. If it's, I don't think this is going to be in there. Maybe it is. Maybe like his comeback where he comes back. Uh, Dice came back like how he started. He went to do. He was doing restaurants. He was doing open mics. He came back right. uh, reworking. And you know, but the problem he has, and it's getting better for him now that he's been down the road more. When he came back, people missed that character. The you know the oh you know what you and so he ended oh yeah so he's on stage trying to be. Part of what's what he's working for this new act, right? And people are still yelling out all that, you know, out of the audience. That's well, they yeah, want people, that. I mean, people are going to always want uh, the classics. Um, but his following's loyal, man. The people that I, I've only worked with him one time. I, I was uh, I, I was very lucky to work with him for a weekend, and that's how I met Eleanor, who is one of my one of the people I feel is like amazing in this business. Uh, but. Dice, you know, he was cool to me. I had a really good time, but, you know, I saw the fans, and the fan base is loyal, but he, he does have to give them some of that right. old Dice. Um, and, and incidentally, I, I swear, I, because this is so vivid in my head, I feel like I know I've said, I, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but if I didn't, I, I got to say it. If I, if I did say it, it, it warrants re- being repeated. Uh, because, again, I, you know, the whole Nora Dunn thing on, on Saturday Night Live where they said several female cast members refused to work with him. Even some dudes. This is so offensive to me on, on, on such a high level because, again, what, what we do, it's like the mafia. You know the rules. There's no getting out of this. So if you are offended as a person who's supposed to be in the business of funny. 
your card needs to be revoked and you need to be escorted to the state line and never be allowed here again. How dare you? Now, if he was, if he was you know, accused of fucking with kids or doing some vile fucked up, you should be in jail shit, and you're offended if he, if he was accused of sexual assault or some shit and it was really proven on some level, yeah, I get it. That's different. But jokes? You're in the business of jokes? And his, because he don't like, you don't like his brand of jokes? You refuse to be funny with him? Get the fuck out of here. But, okay, this is where, like, this is where when we talk about a character where it becomes difficult in in the business and where we are, especially today. And, and he, and, and Dice is kind of a precursor to what's going on today. Because let, let, let's, let's take a look at that. Uh, if it's a character, like, you, like, um, who, who, who was the dude before uh, uh, Stern that was on uh, Imus? Mm. Imus used to do all that kind of material uh, that he eventually ended up getting in trouble, though, for as a character. He wouldn't do it as Imus. He would do it as a character. I never knew him to do it as a character. I knew him to do it as Imus. No, he did it as a character. Really? First, yeah, he would the make, nappy-headed hoes? That was him. That's when he got in trouble because he said it himself. But, if he, but he used to hide everything inside of a character. You could do it all in a character, and it was the character doing it, not you. We can hate niggers. We just have to make a character. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So you do it that way, and that's how, you, that's how it, it, it happened. And then when you made characters on stage, I mean, Henny, I mean just Hen, Henny Youngman. Take my wife, please. Everybody go look at You can go look up Henny Youngman if you want. Everything he would say, he would say afterwards, he would say, take my wife, please. He didn't, he, do you think that really meant that he hated his wife or all the guys that came before him that did the vaudeville and all the way up through that they hated their wife? No, it was the character. So you get to Dice, and he's playing this. Uh, he's an, he's, like you just said, he, he's a Jewish guy, playing like an Italian guy on the corner. And he makes a lot of gay references that, you know, that, that were negative. That, you know, he's using the word, he's using, I, I don't know. Fag? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's rubbing people the wrong way, but it's the character that's doing it. Now, is that fair? And if you're her and you know that there's a better, that you, you don't want to work with someone that is, is, is seeming that they're being demeaning and dismissive to uh, the gay community? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have a problem with that? Or do you see it as, this is the character, this is the guy who came up, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't the issue uh, when he started doing this, this is the issue now. Where? And also, he also had the problem of separating himself from the character. Is that Dice? Is this, is this Andrew Silverstein? Is this Dice? Did he say that, or did, or did other people feel that way? What? That he had a problem separating himself from the character. Other people have said that they, they didn't know where he was. Well, he then was. that's their problem if they don't know. Okay. I, if, it'd be one thing if, he, if, he, if we had excerpts or uh, footage of him saying some foul, vile shit as, as Dice the person. And then you go, oh, it ain't a character. But if other people's, if that's the depiction of him... Well, I think he would be. That's your. Pro, that's you. But but when when do you stop hiding behind the character and actually say who? Let people know who you really are. I don't are, think you or, should ever have to defend it. You yeah, know what this is. I understand your point. I don't think that to people outside of our our group. Understand I, I, I will. I don't think I could ever defend uh, someone who is in the business of funny shitting on funny because you're in the wrong business. You you are in the wrong business. But what what her point was is that she he's actually giving credence to the people who are who were gay gay bashing and against and against uh, gays. That's a that's a dangerous slippery slope because anybody, especially nowadays, can point fingers and find something that you do to go somebody somewhere is seeing that or hearing that, and they're gonna use that to fucking do wrong. We, we can't control yeah, that. But in where we are today, we've eliminated it. You're not, you're not saying, people aren't saying the same words that they used to say on stage. Out of fear of, of, of retribution. Right. So it's all, it has happened. Dice was actually the, probably the beginning of it. I, I Listen, mean, let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If Ford Fairlane comes out and makes a gazillion hundred millions of dollars, it keeps going. Or the, the whole persona, or, the jokes, it keeps going. Or let's the movie come out, but let's make sure we don't put anything behind it so it can't become a hit. Okay, well, then if, that, if that's what they did to sabotage it, then that's what they did. Yeah, that's. But, it, but I'm just saying, even with that being done, had that movie come out 
and been a gazillion dollar hit, oh, lives on. But I still think, I don't think the movie lost money. I don't think they wanted to give it any credit whatsoever. But it didn't make the kind of money that no. warranted. No, it, did, it didn't make the kind of money that someone who's selling out stadiums, his movie should have done better. Exactly. But they made, they, they helped it not do, do well. So, that being said, I don't know where we, where we are in this to, to the uh, Comedy Store uh, podcast that we're supposed to. Not, well, well, we're, well, not doing, we're not the Comedy Store podcast. The, the, our podcast that we're doing about the Comedy Store documentary. You don't know where we are? No, I forgot what I for, I wanted to make sure oh. I said it correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. It's, but it's, where are we in this? Because I don't want to stand on dice forever if you're... No, I'm done with it. I just... You, you seem uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable? No, it's, it's just that I don't know where else to go with this dice thing. Well, I, well thank God I have notes <laughs> so we can move the fuck on. Um, Do you get along with dice? I don't know dice like that. I've met him a couple times. He paid me one of the biggest compliments I've ever heard, you know, when his man Wheels, there was a comic who used to be his right-hand man named Wheels. He still hang, I think they still hang out. Yeah. He still opens do. up for I, him. I, yeah, he told Wheels one night, I was outside the comedy store, and I said hello to Dice. He said, Wheels, this black guy does me better than any white cocksucker I've ever seen. Oh! So, that was a big compliment to me at the time. Um, how, how old were you? were you? That's when you were real, that's when you were still... Yeah, I probably just got to L.A. I was probably 19 years old. Um... One of the things they talked about, uh, and, you know, Eddie Griffin, they talked about comics who were famous. Uh, Eddie Griffin, Chris, Chris, uh, not Chris, uh, Carlos Mencia, for doing large amounts of time oh, yeah. on stage. Um, you know, and some comics take pride in it, um, but I, what I thought was interesting, because one, one guy in particular who they talked about and interviewed, and Eddie Griffin was like, you know, look, man, when you love this comedy thing, you know, and, and listen, I think every comic has felt that. I know I've gone over time. I mean, I don't do, uh, you know, a Netflix series of stand-up specials on stage, but I've, I've done my fair share of maybe an hour and a half, hour 45. Um, but, you know, Eddie was like, yo, when you love this thing, uh, it's addictive to you. You don't want to get off stage when it's feeling good. And then Ari Shafir said, you know, what, just because a guy has a TV show, he gets to ruin the rest of our lives? Um, and you could tell when he said it, he was obviously bothered. And I and listen, I think Ari's a funny motherfucker. When we saw him at the Denver Comedy Works, uh, he's a funny motherfucker. He just lost me with the Kobe comments, so uh, my my love for him has diminished a little bit. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, and then Louis C.K. went on to say, "I don't want to watch a comedian crush for two hours. That's just gross, gross self indulgence." Um, but so is masturbation. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on him, but if you're going to call that uh, gross indulgence, yeah, but, they, but he's, you, you, he's you, one you, of the kings in the game. But, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's where you were going. I didn't know. I thought you were me. Okay, no, I got you. Okay. I got yeah. you. Um, what do you? I mean, you know, what do you feel about? Con- I mean, I mean, you know, listen. If you and this is a two part question because I actually asked you this in the car on the way here. Oh, about. But how I feel about him taking all the time? Taking all the time, but also if you're at that level where you can perform for as long as you want without anybody saying anything and you could bump motherfuckers, would you do it? And I I want you to answer that in in two different parts. The first part first. I'm going to answer the second part first because I I, I already said that to you in the car Mm -hmm. and I have that answer, which is uh, I haven't been in this business long enough to have enough animosity to want to bump people. So you don't look at somebody and go, you know what? I don't like this motherfucker. He's supposed to go on now, but I'm going to bump him and make him wait three hours. Yeah, and like I said, when you're, when you, we came up different. And I, and I know we talked about this on the podcast before, so I don't want to go into it in, in detail. But you kind of, you hit and you kept going and there, you bypassed a lot of, uh, of six, seven, eight years of doing comedy before you mm-hmm. and so that's a lot of hosting and opening up and doing a lot of work that you didn't have to do right. uh, but when you do that and which I have done and I did it later in life too I was already older and I'm, and I'm sitting behind waiting and waiting and getting bumped sometimes and whatever it is um, yeah I probably don't want to do that to other people because I, I, I'm, I'm very uh, aware of it right 
But with Eddie Griffin was different. And Eddie Griffin, I could give a different answer than he gave. I love that he answered that he gave on the uh, on the documentary where he said, "If you love this game, you know." Right. But um, in the uh, in the eighties and early nineties, I had a, I, I worked in the clothing business, and uh, I used to go to L.A. and when we uh, later towards in my uh, clothing career, uh, we used to go to the comedy store every time we went to LA. We'd go to LA like twice a year. And uh, so we'd end up going to the comedy store. And every single time I was there, Eddie Griffin was on. He Mm. would get on and then the comics, you know, they sit in that corner in that little backspace. Right. And they were all yelling. They were like, because he would go past the light, he'd go past the light. And uh, I, I know I spoke about this on the podcast before, but um, I see that many times. And then uh, I was working in Phoenix, and uh, Eddie Griffin came into the clothing store that I was working in, and uh, I was happy to help him and Chris and, and Chris Reed. And uh, I was, but I was taking care of Eddie Griffin because Chris was a bigger star at the time, but uh, Eddie was the dude that I saw, and he was so funny. And I said, man, hey, what's going And I didn't understand the comedy business at that time. I didn't understand why those people were yelling back. I go, hey, man, you were always getting that uh, light, though, and the comics were always yelling at you, you know, because you were going for a long time. And he just started laughing. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but, you know, I, there's a producer in the room. I'm producing. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just, I'm, I'm there to get seen. I'm right, not, right. you know, I'm not. And that, that was what he said about right. it at the time, which love of game, maybe. But like to to his early career, when I saw him going and and and, and staying on stage and not getting off, and right. there the guys in the back, the comedians are giving him the light, and you can hear him back there talking and utter you know utter just hatred for him. Uh, that's what that's his thing, you know. If if, I, if there's a shot, if, there, if there's a, if there's a chance of me getting on a show, I'm I'm staying here until someone tells me I, I'm not getting the show. Listen, man, um, everybody's drive is different. Some people are willing to do whatever the fuck it takes to make it. Um, now, if you're on the receiving end of him bumping you, of him doing a lot of time, I can understand your animosity. But I also have to take a step back and admire his ferociousness because, amen, some dude's attitude and outlook is, like he said, if there's a producer, I'm producing. He's going for it. Yeah. He's going for it. And as much as I, again, if I'm on the receiving end of of the bullshit I understand you being upset but I also understand man you know some motherfuckers are hungry and 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 I, and I don't I can't I can't I can't I can't be mad at that because I come from that if I think there's an opportunity if I think I got to pull my dick out and get ferocious with it I'm getting ferocious with it so it's I I get it I get it I feel where Ari's coming from but I more so feel where Eddie's coming from. But I also, this, this is recent. Um, when Seinfeld was working on his, uh, I, think, I think it was his last special. I don't know. Yeah, it was the last special. And uh, he was, you know, he goes, he still works out. I mean, he goes to, the, to all the shows, all the, all the uh, showcase shows, especially in New York. And he's doing all those showcase shows. And uh, a couple of the guys that I know, Name brand comedians that you know work improv head. I mean headliners, and uh, one of them told me one day. Everybody, I've, I heard a few things, but they, they no one's going to get mad that Seinfeld's bumping him because he's trying to get that worked out. He he's moving, right. and everybody understands. They would want to do it too, but Seinfeld, you know, they, everybody everybody gets moved because right. it's Seinfeld. So uh, he just goes. He, finally, I think he I think he told Seinfeld. He said, you know, uh, I just hope this. I just. As many times as you bought me, man, I hope this special's great. You know, like, he told him in a way, like, you know, it better be great for every time that you... Well, do you know what Seinfeld's reply was? I think he just laughed. You know? Oh, it will be great. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something that's crazy, though. And I've been, especially, and this is when you really feel it, when you would perform at the improv, and because the improv is just one narrow... Well, now they've changed it, but once upon a time ago, it was one narrow hallway that you walked into... You walk past the double doors, and you were in the showroom. Yep. And right before you get to the double doors was the list of the comics. And a lot of the comics would be standing in that hallway waiting to go on. Because when the room was packed and sold out, you really couldn't stand anywhere in the showroom. Because between the wait staff and the DJ, could you move? Could you move? So a lot of times when big comics would come in to bump you, you would know it because you'd be standing yeah. right yeah. there when the manager goes... 
hey, man, so-and-so is here, or so-and-so is standing right in front of you, and you're hearing you're getting bumped. bumped. And my thing is, if you're going to bump me, get it. I f- fine. I get the politics. You're who you are. I'm not that. But would it hurt so bad for some of them big-name comics to look the guy in the eye and go, man, my bad. I got something going on. Uh, please forgive me. Thank you. But these motherfuckers with arrogance go, uh, tell the motherfucker I'm bumping them. And be standing right there with the manager who's telling you, yeah, so-and-so going to bump you. Won't look you in the eye. Won't acknowledge you. Go bump you. Do two hours. And then walk right past you on the exit. Not even go, thanks, fella. And you hit him with a little, like the guy would rub the little <laughs> kid on the head and flip him a shiny quarter. Thanks, fella. Like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't know if com- comics want that confrontation to look at you in the eye and go, man, I- I'm busy because you're the person that's going to look at you. Go, I'm busy. And then on de- depending on what level you are, you could be a-, a headliner. But there's a there's a headliner that's doing, you know, um, stadiums, doing uh, theaters and that they're going to definitely make way for that guy to get on the show before you to, but, to bump but you, you. But you don't think that a piece of the of the guy who's under the guy who's bumping them would feel a little like, all right, I know I'm getting bumped, but damn, Jerry looked me in the face. He shook my hand. He gave me a, hey, fella, he, that made me feel good that he at least. I think some of those guys do. I think they do tell them because I mean, I mean, I know, I, I know for a fact one one of the guys, Jerry, you know, was like, I have, but I have another, I have, I have another one to get to. Mm. So, you know, but everybody wants 20 spots a night. Only so many people can make that happen. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I... Like, I hope this is not vanity talking. But again, when people ask the question, yo, what's making it to you? What's making it? That. Get in the and, book. And, that, and not to say that I would bump someone, but to know that you could. Could. Knowing that you can, I mean, has to feel kind of good. We talked about it on the other podcast, the one before this one, when you had the VIP analogy about... Club 50, Studio 54. Getting into, club, getting into the club is one thing, especially if everybody's trying to get into the club. But then the VIP is the, the, the prestigious shit. Yeah, you want to get to that next space. Get to that next space to know I'm in the VIP. And I always, and, and I say this in real life, anytime I've gone to a club, yeah, I can go to VIP. Sometimes when you and I have gone to strip clubs, like when we were in San Fran and we went to the Hustlers, because the dude knew who I was was like, I'm taking y'all straight to VIP. And I go, dude, I'd rather be on the floor. The floor is where the fun is. I can order drinks just the same from the bar or grab a waitress as I can having one come to me in the VIP. But it's the option to know you can. To know you can is definitely, that's, that would be the third step. Right. To know that you can be in the VIP, but hang out. And then whenever you want to, go back to the VIP. Let me tell you, what, what you think of it is worse if I bump you and don't say nothing to you and then leave and hit you with the, all right, fella, and rub the top of your dome, or if I stand there, look you in the eye, and with an arrogant athlete's chew gum motion, just go to you. You know I can bump you, right? I ain't going to, but I just want you to know I can bump you. I, you know what? See, you wouldn't the the person who could bump you would never say that because you know. No, no, I know. I'm but, just saying. Yeah, it. No, but they wouldn't say that. So. Total asshole. Though. Yeah. It, is it the pa- hey? Thanks, fella. Rub you on the head, or is it the you know I can bump you right? Uh. Oh, they're both bad. There's not. <laughs> there's so. Yeah, it's speaking for someone who's been bumped. Yeah. Right. I've been bumped, dude. Yeah. Now I'm gonna be honest. I have bumped, but I've been bumped. There's levels. I've gone to places. And, and, and whenever I'm headlining on the road and I go in on an off night, usually on that Thursday or a Wednesday, if I have a show that Thursday or Friday, and I go, hey, man, I, I want to get up and just do a little time, fill myself out. The manager tell whoever's on that show, hey, Aries is going up next. Because those guys aren't me. But I'm not fucking David Spade. I'm not Chris Rock. So as important as it may make me feel, Listen, man, I've, I've been bumped. Yeah, there's a difference, though, between being bumped, though, and then what's, what, what Ari was talking about. When someone goes up and bumps you and then does an hour, right. then you're not getting up that night. Because right. now they have to not, you're not just getting bumped where you're just going up into a later spot. 
right. you're getting bumped to another day because they can only they have to have the next show or you know the next group is coming up. So that's you know I don't care if I'm going to get if someone needs to go up before me because they have some I, I wouldn't give a shit. You just have such a relaxed. I'll take it as it comes persona. You know what? If they if they if they're able to bump me, maybe they earned it. Maybe they put more effort in. Maybe I need to put more effort in so I don't get bumped. Mm. Okay, we got 10 minutes left. Last order of business. Bobby Lee. Why? Okay. Got to do it, brother. Because he was on the comedy store thing. And now let me, let me do this the right way. Kind of, sort of. Woosa. Um, I know you've heard conflicting things about Bobby saying he'll have me on his podcast. I got to say, I know Bobby doesn't like me personally. And I know that because you can look it up on YouTube where he's at the radio station. And I don't know if it's the same clip you have, but there's one where he, every time I used to do San Francisco, they would purposely make us do a radio station that was geared towards the gay community. The two hosts were gay. And, and that's not, you know, them trying to fuck with me. It was simple math. I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. There's a huge gay population. They want to bring in as many people as they can, inclu- including the gay crowd. And I don't have any problem doing it. Uh, I, I did it every year. But I remember I saw Bobby on this thing, and he was talking about how I didn't talk to him for his first couple years at Mad TV. I didn't, he felt that I didn't like him. And he was in so many ways trying to say he didn't dislike me, but... Um, and here's the problem that, that, that I've had with Bobby. Um, first of all, I think Bobby Lee, and this is strictly my opinion, I think Bobby Lee tries way too hard to be funnier than he really is. And it comes off, it, it, to me, it, it just comes off phony. Like, it, at one point during the, pod, during the episode, I forget the comedian with the orange hair, they had a podcast. And he tells this joke, and Bobby laughs way too fucking hard. He tells this story about how he used to give Mitzi Shore massages. And even the guy who, who produced these comedy store uh, documentaries, Mike Bender. Bender? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Bender. He even was like, Bobby, no, you didn't. You're full of shit. You never gave Mitzi a massage. And so many times I feel like Bobby does things for the sake, does things for the sake of shock value. You know, when he was at Mad TV, he had a substance abuse problem. And he would tank sketches. And here's the thing. When you're on a sketch show like Saturday Night Live or Mad TV and you're fighting for airtime, some days, some weekends, you might be in eight sketches, which made up a whole show. Certain other times, you might be in one sketch. You might not be in none. And everybody's fighting for time. And Bobby would come in and do the reads on, on Mondays. And half the time, he couldn't read. He would mispronounce words. And if you were in that sketch, before you even read it, you read who was in the sketch and you'd go, oh, shit. Because the night before on Sunday, when you got the pack, you went, okay, there's this many sketches written. It says I'm in four out of five. Out of those four out of five, three of them is with Bobby. Shit. And then those three wouldn't even get picked. Okay. That being said, though, Bobby was on the show because he was funny. People found him funny. Someone found him funny. It may not be your cup of tea, but someone found him funny. Taking a shit, personally defecating on your uh, dressing room floor, that's never funny to me. Kaka is, doo-doo is never funny to me. It's funny to talk about. And Bobby would often get naked. That was his thing. That's why when we talked about the Burt Kreischer thing and you're going, watch the thing with him and Ronnell, Donnell Rawlings, and he does this thing where he gets naked. And I stopped you and went, you ain't got to say nothing else to me. That was Bobby's calling card. He would get naked at, at, at Mad TV for no reason. The cameras weren't on. He would just do it. Are you trying to shock people? Are you trying to be funny? You defecate on your own floor, and that's funny? And it was funny to me. No, but, you know, it seems... Okay, but here, there's two, there's two parts to this that I'm going to say to you. Because I know you wanted to bring this up, and I, and I really wasn't thrilled about it, to be honest. And here's the thing, because if Bobby Lee didn't have a, a podcast, 
that, that had listeners and he had his fa- his his amount of fans, you wouldn't give a fuck about Bobby Lee one way or the other. You, you think that's why I give a fuck? No, no, no. But that's where the anger came from when you when he didn't get back to you. Okay, so let me make sure I got this right. You think my resentment towards Bobby? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. You have resentment from him being on the show, but you wouldn't care about that resentment had you not reached out to Bobby and Bobby didn't get back to you. Okay, well, that's something else on top of all okay, the yes, other shit. Okay, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be on the top Listen, of your list. I, here's, dude. Here's and and I and I and I stand proudly by this, firmly by this, and maybe this is one of those things that if someone were to go change something about you, maybe this is something I I, I should have changed. I've always said, if you look me in the eye and you tell me something, man to man, I, I want to hold you to that. I want to respect you because. You're a man of your word and vice versa. So when we shake hands and we look each other in the fucking corneas, I think if you tell me that's what it is, I believe that's what it is. I don't like people who say, hey, man, give me your number. I'm going to call you. Here's my number. Call me. Let's make it happen. Then when I try and make it happen based off what you said, you ignore my calls. You, you, you play games. And then I'm an asshole for wanting to hold you to your word. So my disdain for Bobby, that is one of the many things. But again, when we did Mad TV, prior to, 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 again, from season four till about six, really. Three to six, but really four to six, we were the Bulls 72 and 10. We had Rodman, we had Pippen, we had Jordan, we had Phil. The team was perfection. So we were nominated for Emmys and all of that shit. And again, you got to understand something. As far as the black cast members go, at one point it was just me, Deborah, and Phil. Phil eventually left. It was really me and Deborah. So we only had two black writers writing for us, Devon and Xavier. If they didn't write something that got picked, I didn't get seen. Deborah, on occasion, did not get seen. So we're fighting for screen time. We're not getting the same kind of play that all the other cast members are getting. So when we're in a, in a chance to be seen and, we, and our shit gets tanked, because listen, I know everybody got problems. Everybody go through shit, substance abuse, whatever. I, I get it. I'm holding up my bottle of vodka. I go through it. Tito's. Tito's. From, from uh, um, New Mexico. New Mexico. Should. Should be sponsoring the show. As, yes. As, yeah. So I have my issues. But I tell you this, I never let those issues get in the way of, yo, when it's time to perform, nigga, I perform. Now, you know, you on the road with me. I drink after the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck around when it comes time to put it down. Dude, I'll say this about you from... from Everyone that I've ever worked with, I've seen you in, in where you're not feeling good or when it's not right or when you're having whatever issues that you could be having. But as soon as you hit that stage, nah, 100%. You're 100% on stage. What time is it? Game time. Who? No, and I, I'm going to tell and I, and I can say that because I've been with you in situations where I was like, oh, this is going to suck tonight. And you went up there, and I don't even think that anymore. And listen, I, I, believe me, you mentioned it to me in the car. You've mentioned it to me in the past on, on, pa- on past podcasts. The episode 138, working it out. You know, when I had my tearful moment, and you told me, hey, man, there's some things about you you need to, and I don't doubt you at all. So I know your apprehension and you being a little uncomfortable with talking about the Bobby thing, but, but, but I don't like shying away from shit. Yeah, so I'm trying to choose how I do this instead of coming out... This motherfucker, I'm being honest. No, no, and I appreciate your honesty on how you, you just handled it. I didn't know how you were going to handle it. But let, let, let's do this, too, because of some of the things that I heard. I'll say this right now. Uh, when I heard Bobby talk about you know what he said, just so that I could give him some fair treatment on this, he said you, uh, that he, you guys had talked about it, and you, had, you guys had kind of worked it out. You, he felt you know, better about the conversation that you guys had. And he walked away from it saying, yeah, and you just wanted to be on the podcast. And you, he said, good, and we, we, we'll get it done. But what you, what you, I don't know if you realize this, some people have booking agents for their podcast. They have people who line up the talent. Uh, he is, and Bobby is, I'm going to say this without a doubt, I don't know Bobby at all, really don't know him well. I met him once. Uh, non-confrontational. He can't deal with the conflict. 
He cannot. And you are confrontational. You will meet things face-to-face head-on. And he didn't know how to get you on. You called him four times, and he avoided the call because he didn't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing he didn't know what, how, when the space was going to be and open up. And I want to tell you one other thing, and you can say everything. I'm going to let you say everything that you want to after this. He's never accused you either, by the way, of being the person that he disliked the most on, on Mad TV. He, he accused Michael McDonald of that, by the way, just to let you know. He said that that guy never talked to him. You didn't take, he said with you, you didn't talk to him for the first two years. And then when you did talk to him, he, he brought it up that you hadn't talked to him. And he, you said to him, uh, I didn't want to make sure you're going to stick around. I didn't want to waste my time if you weren't going to be here. Right. Okay, so those are his. Well, and just to know how you handle Michael McDonald, because I know exactly what Bobby's saying. Michael can be that dude, but this is how you handle Michael. Like I said, one time on Twitter, I found Michael's Twitter handle. And I said, uh, uh, damn, Mike, I didn't know you was on Twitter. How you doing? And he hit me back. And this was Mike's dark, sarcastic way of being funny. He goes, Aries Spears, God, I heard you had a heart attack and died. I said, Jesus, I heard you got AIDS, nigga. So, and, but then after that, it's, how you doing, Mike? Because that's who Mike is. That's who Mike is. But listen, I recently... I think in the last month and a half, I sent Bobby a, a DM in his Instagram and said, look, man, I apologize. If I ever made you feel, if I ever did, I'm sorry. If you want, you could call me. We could hash it out. If you still say you're going to get me on your podcast, let's do it that way. Because we kill two birds with one stone, we can make the, uh, uh, the apology official and we can get some good radio. He said, bet, we're going to make it happen. Okay, then let's... And, and here's my last point. Okay. At the end of the day, I don't care what nobody say. If you want something to happen, you make it happen. Fuck the bullshit. Fuck the excuses. People do and make room for what they want to do and what's important to them. I think Bobby is kind of afraid to do it. I'll be honest. From listening to him talk about it, I think that he's afraid of being, having a confrontational moment with you on any podcast. But here, or any, any kind of... Uh, platform. He's Asian. You know what he could do to me? Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. Because one of the people brought this up. They, they go, did you, did they, did, were you asked to be on Aries podcast? So I'm going to put it out there. Bobby, come on this podcast. Let's hash it out here first. Let's hash it out here. I, I'm here. I got you back. I, I'll defend you against Aries a little bit. I'm not going to keep him from hurting you if you say the wrong thing. But what I will do is I will remind him of things that have been said if necessary. Come on here. Uh, we'll do this together. We'll talk to him. We'll work it out. We'll have a nice relationship. Everything will go on. It'll be, it'll be good. But you've got to keep your fucking clothes on, dude. Yes, and no caca or nothing. <laughs> Everything in my house is brown, so but, I won't find that shit for weeks. But I would love him to be on the show. I would love, I would to, love him, too. So invite him on this show. Let's start here. Okay, Bobby, uh, come on to the show, uh, my nigga. Uh, you come motherfucking show, nigga, put down, lay down like a motherfucker, do all that shit, you know what I mean? Uh, there is a bar, I think it, it was Danielle that said that, was it Danielle or was it Bur- One of them said that Bobby looked, I think it was Danielle, looked like his body was old and young at the same time when he was sitting, because <laughs> funny. <laughs> it was old and young, it was an old and young body at the same time. I thought that was hysterical. Uh, uh, we're there, right? Yeah, we're there. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, all comedy talk about the comedy store. Uh, We got another one coming at you next Wednesday. Uh, Episode four of the comedy store. I can't, I hope they talk, they got it. They got, oh, because I was like, okay, well, I hope they bring in, they got to talk about Mooney. Yeah, they're going. He's to, just. A bunch I mean, he's been he's been he's been flying around the outside of this the whole time. Okay, they talked about. They got to talk about. Okay, and, and and for our hits one hundred and one listeners, again, I want to remind you that we do an email podcast on uh, on Thursday. So if you want to get that, you just got to uh, click on uh, whatever podca- podcast platform you listen to. Uh, click on Spears and Steinberg and listen to us. Them motherfuckers would be crazy to not talk about me. Goddamn comedy store! I invented the goddamn comedy store. Richard Yakoff, Robin. All of them. Sandra Bernard. All of them are my children. All of them. I, all of them. If you wipe the walls down, you will see my comedy nut juice everywhere. That's probably true. All of them have my DNA. All of them, goddammit. All of them came out of my penis. I birthed all of them. I'm the real nigga of comedy. Why do you think that goddamn place is black? From the outside to the inside, it's black, nigga. 
<laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> Annie and I also have a Spears and Steinberg Patreon, a Spears and Steinberg Twitter. So make sure you go support that. Um, Instagram. Spears and Steinberg Instagram. It's, it's Spearsburg Pod. Spearsburg Pod yeah. is the name of the cast. Uh, check all that shit out. All right, y'all, it's about that time. As always, uh, like I said, we are trying to give up-and-coming, undiscovered artists an outlet to do what they do. <clears throat> and we're going to bring a female to you. She goes by the name of Maria Grazia Girardi. She's Italian. Oh, one of us. Let her AJ. Um, there's an R&B single of hers, uh, and her Instagram is official underscore Maria Grazia. That's official underscore M-A-R-I-A-G-R-A-Z-I-A. Uh, at Spotify, it's under Maria Grazia, Maria Grazia. Uh, so this is her R&B single right here. Enjoy. If you like her music, hit her up. Let her know you dig it. Without further ado, Maria Grazia Gerardi. You know I prayed for you. My whole life is so brand new. I didn't know what to do, so I chose the best way. To live and learn Fast lane Slow way Broke pain My flame So brave Obey Connection real Won't play You do All the things Better lie When I say If you were me And I was you Then you would see A thing or two Cologne on your shirt got me put in that work. I'm addicted and now I just worked up a thirst for you lately. You a tall glass of water, baby. Mm -hmm. You are um, a pretty little birdie that be humming my name. You are um, as sweet as honeycomb and sugar cane. You know I prayed for you. Mm-hmm. You know I prayed for you. Can you feel it, baby? <laughs> <laughs>